that tension, that yin and yang, is that oftentimes what we label as something not so good, aka bad, often leads to good. Even in your personal life, sometimes the worst experience you've had has led you to something better, a new understanding. It's not that you have to throw away things. It's just it brings you to something new. Maybe bad is temporary. It's a temporary condition of the human condition that moves us ultimately to something better. You're listening to the One Power Podcast. I'm Rick Busby. And I'm Tammy Lorraine. And together we are transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. In this week's episode of the One Power Podcast, we're going to be talking with our good friend, Bob Withrow, who is a licensed Unity teacher. We're going to be doing a high-speed overview of Unity's five principles and a little bit of a deeper dive into Unity's first principle, which we call the One Power, One Presence principle, and that's the title of today's episode. Uh, Before we get to that, I want to bring in my co-host, Tammy Lorraine. Uh, Tammy, um, this is the first tentpole in the One Power podcast, and so one of our monthly shows will be about living Unity principles. And uh, I feel it's useful to point out uh, we're recording this just before Thanksgiving, uh, the month of November in the 12 Powers calendar Uh, The power of the month for the month of November is the power of renunciation. And the way I like to talk about that is that's our power to say no so that we can say yes to something better and greater in our lives. And I know in our inaugural episode, uh, we talked a lot about the power of that yes and the power of that no. So, And and you had some particularly good things to say along those lines uh, in, in our inaugural episode. And we recorded that at the same time while we're here in the the power of renunciation month of November. Uh, so how are you feeling about your saying yes to the One Power podcast? What did you have to say no to to make room for this? Well, um, Rick, I unfortunately have yet to learn how to say no, but it's only been one week, so give me some time. Um, I'm just kind of learning how to bend time in order to make space for, um, to add this on top of my already full life. But um, I know that um, my intention, as we stated last week, is to learn how to use that power of no. I think that that power of renunciation is such a critical power for us to be able to let go of that, which is no longer serving us. I just haven't quite figured out yet what that is. Yeah. When you say yes to everything, we just keep bagging new things and everything. And sometimes uh, we can get a little little bit out out of balance uh, in our lives because we consistently say yes, say yes. So having a Knowing that I have a power of renunciation, that I do have the power to say no. And I know that you've sat there in meetings before and like literally watched me struggle with not saying yes to to some other request for service because you already know what my to-do list looks like and everything. And so that it's good to be reminded because the power of renunciation, I think, oftentimes doesn't get as much play as some of the, you know, higher profile powers, the power of love, the power of imagination, the power of will, the power of faith. We talk about those a lot, but the power of renunciation doesn't seem to get as much, uh, you know, headlines about it, but it's no less powerful and it, and it, and it's intended to serve our good. It's intended to serve our transformation that it, it's a useful reminder that we do have a power of renunciation. We do have a faculty 
to say no, a faculty for eliminating that which no longer serves our life. And we can move those things out of the way. And as they say, the universe abhors a vacuum. So as we move something out, the universe is able to bring new good into our life. And so we need to become adept, uh, you know, journeymen, so to speak, professionals at saying no whenever, whenever something no longer serves us and to eliminate that which no longer serves because we're only facilitating our transformation in that regard. And that's what we're about here at the One Power Podcast is transforming lives. And that starts with me and you. I was just going to let you know that um, a clue for you is you use the word maybe. Like you kind of like you're like sort of dancing around the possible no. I think I do the same thing as well. So it's good to start to notice. Like I've really been already just within this week transforming the way I listen to myself and trying to move into that sort of witness perspective so that I can hear when my soul really wants me to say no even though I'm still sort of saying yes. And I know we're going to dive into the 12 powers over this year and go into more detail about them. Those powers are always there. They're always available to us. And the real power comes when we align them with our Christ presence and that sort of innate divine presence and allow them to be used by that, by our soulful self. Well said. Well, with that, let's uh, make a transition here uh, on today's episode. As I said, we're going to be visiting with our good friend, uh, Bob Withrow, who's a licensed Unity teacher teacher. What's coming next is a pre-recorded interview that we did with him, sort of a high-speed overview of the five Unity principles and a little bit of a deeper dive into Unity's first principle. So right after the break here, we'll be right back with our, our good friend Bob Withrow in our interview with him. So stay tuned. Welcome to the One Power Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Busby, here with my co-host, Tammy Lorraine, and our very special guest in the studio today, licensed Unity teacher, Bob Withrow. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the five Unity principles, taking a quick high-speed overview with them, and a little deeper dive into the first Unity principle, what we call the One Power, One Presence principle. We'll take deeper dives into the other Unity principles in future episodes and probably have Bob back for those as well. Uh, but before we get to Bob and introduce you to him, I'd like to bring in my co-host right now, Tammy Lorraine. Good morning, Tammy. How are you? I'm doing great, Rick. It's a beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. Uh, weather is warm. Uh, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving, so I'm feeling very grateful and certainly grateful to be here with everyone, with all of you. Well, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we did did an inaugural episode last week that was just a declaration of intentions between Tammy and I. So I really kind of feel like today is the first official episode of the One Power Podcast. And we're going to be uh, talking about unity principles uh, about once a month throughout the course of the year. And we get to the other tent poles in future uh, episodes and everything. But this will be our first dive into unity principles. And as I said, we'll do a high-speed overview, a little competition between Bob and I giving our elevator pitches on the five principles. Tammy is going to be our referee in that regard. And we'll see how that uh, goes here in a few minutes. But right now, I'd like to... Uh, Bring in our very special guest, licensed unit teacher Bob Withrow. Bob, welcome to the One Power Podcast. Hey, good to see you guys. Glad to be here on the inaugural real launch of this wonderful podcast. So, Bob, uh, I thought uh, for us to get started today, uh, I know you and I recently had a conversation, uh, and in that conversation, you kind of told me your story 
about how you came to Unity Church of the Hills and what was your first experience here. So uh, to let our guests know and let our listeners know, uh, uh, tell us that story. How did you come to Unity, uh, Unity in general, Unity Church of the Hills specifically? Yeah, um, it's it's not a long well, it is a long story, but a short period of time. I I had never heard of Unity ten years ago, and my wife and I uh, had just moved to Austin. I'd retired from a 35, 40 year professional career, and she uh, she had come to find this uh, author Don Miguel Ruiz, who I knew nothing about, and she somehow found out that this guy was speaking at Unity Church of the Hills on a Friday night, and she invited me. Uh, to join her, to come hear Don Miguel. And I said, nah, I don't think I need that. But she was persuasive, as she normally is. And and uh, sure enough, I ended up here Friday night at Unity Church of the Hills. And this guy, Don Miguel Ruiz, started to talk. And what he was saying was this really intriguing blend to me of Christianity, a framework of Christianity infused with Toltec tradition. And then the I had I had come to study a lot of Buddhism in the previous five to six years before we moved to Austin, and there was a real strong influence of Buddhism in what he was saying. And I, I ended up listening, believe it or not, and uh, so the talk was concluded, and uh, my wife said, hey, why don't we come back to church here on Sunday? And I, I basically said NFW to that because I, I had sworn off church. But again, she was persuasive, and I ended up here that Sunday morning, and that was the morning that my life really took a turn. Uh, the message here, it was Reverend Steve Boland at the time, was a wonderful message. It was, again, that infusion of Christian framework, but it, a lot of Buddhist and Eastern philosophy overlay, which uh, lit up all the lights for me. And uh, quickly got involved here, uh, became a licensed unity teacher with you, by the way. Uh, together, we were soul brothers, uh, Batman and Robin, I think we were called. Um, and uh, became a licensed teacher in 2015. And I've done a lot of things under that umbrella of being a licensed teacher. But the one thing I've really done for the past three to four years is pick up the mantle of uh, being the, the coordinator and facilitator for our new, our new, new member process, uh, which is called the Path to Discovery. And in that, in that, in that uh, session, we use Ellen Devonport, Ellen Devonport's book, The Five Principles, and we talk a lot about the five principles to those new folks. So I can't wait to get started and talk about these with you and with Tammy. Well, just for the record, Bob is Batman. I'm Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're a dynamic duo either way. Bob Withrow did a talk, it's been years now, on the five principles. And it's one of the top viewed YouTube videos for folks who are interested in Unity's five principles. And uh, I remember, Rick, when you did a talk on the five principles, you declared, like, I'm going to like get my YouTube video up there with Bob's. And so that kind of spawned this idea of just sort of playfully seeing which one of you could run through the the five principles the fastest. Well, I would say that just in, in my own defense that it took Bob only one uh, episode on YouTube to do the five principles. It took me two parts. So that just tells you all you need to know right off the top. <laughs> you can do it, Rick. I believe in you. But first, we're going to go ahead and and in fact, you know what? 
We're going to let you go first, Rick. Oh, I like that. I, I think that would be kind of cool. Let's have you go first. So I'm going um, to start the clock, and I'll point at you. I know you guys listening can't see me pointing, but um, get ready, get set, go. So Unity's five principles, the first principle for Unity is what I refer to as the one power, one presence principle. It's articulated in many different ways, but the way that I articulate it is there is only one power, one presence active in the universe and in my life, God, the good. And that's pretty much the summation of it. Uh, in Unity, we do not uh, personify God. We see God as the creative principle in the universe. So we also sometimes add to that God, the good, that God is also omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence, as opposed to omniscient, omnipresent, that which are, which would be characters of a personified character. And so we just go straight to the principle itself. Unity principles number two says that we are created in the image and likeness of this one power, one presence, that we are divine by nature, that we are created to be creators, and that we are created in the image and likeness of this one power, one presence. So we have a divine spark in our nature. Uh, Unity principle number three says that we are co-creating our experience by the thoughts and the feelings that we allow to dominate in our consciousness, whatever the thinking and feeling activity in my consciousness is, is setting the stage for how I co-create in the world, how I show up in the world, what I expect to see in the world, and that I'm in charge of that activity in my consciousness. Nobody else really is. Uh, once again, it's a statement of principle. Uh, unity principle number four says that we connect with our divinity in silent prayer and that we practice that through positive, affirmative languaging and so forth. So we go into the silence to connect with the, the divine indwelling Christ presence, as we call it here. And uh, by spending time in the presence and connecting with that indwelling teacher, which is the same one teacher that even Jesus had, that same indwelling Christ presence that we all, in fact, share. And that if I spend time in the silence, I'm connecting with that divinity that's within me, and then I move back out in the world, which sets the stage for unity principle number five. Uh, I, I see the first four principles as statements of truth principle, and that the fifth principle is the action principle. That's where we take action on the, the beliefs that we say. I often paraphrase and say that the first four principles have really no meaning, no effect, no consequence in my life unless I'm willing to live them. And that's, in effect, what's behind unity principle number five is taking action on the truth that we say we believe. Uh, I could go on and on and on, obviously, about that, but I'm going to stop there and see how my time went. That was really impressive, Rick. You came in at two minutes and 38 seconds. Wow. That is incredible. That is really great. So I'm going to need to change the position of my seat here so I can get ready to, like, you know, I can talk real fast, but I don't think that's really the goal. But That is not the goal. So thank you for pointing that out. Well, Bob, let's see how you do. Get ready, get set, go. Yeah. So first, let's talk about principles. Uh, we talk about principles as opposed to dogma or, or oaths because principles, we say, are universal and they apply regardless of circumstance to anyone, everything, all the time. Aerodynamics is the, is, is the big example that I always use. Aerodynamics as a principle existed forever. Man didn't understand aerodynamics in, in, in terms of its, man's ability to fly until about 150 years ago. So aerodynamics is the principle. When man learned to use it, we were able to put it to use for our, for best and highest purpose, hopefully. Uh, 
So let's, that's the whole, whole shot on principles. As Rick said, principle number one is, is really a, uh, a, an Abrahamic beliefs statement that there is only one power in the universe, and many of us call that power God. I tend to want to call it universal truth because it, God for me is always, I always see the guy with the white beard. And so I move away from, from any personification, but it is that one, one power in the universe. And we say good, but we mean everything that is all that we know and even things that we don't know is all created by this universal energy. Let's call it God. Number two turns common Abrahamic teachings on its ear. Many, many of the Abrahamic faiths. And when I say that, that's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They tend to view ourselves as victims to a God who controls. And so we turned it on its side and said, no, we are part of the universe. We humans are part of the universe. And therefore we are inherently have that same, we inherently have that same power that God has. We're individualized expressions of that divine creation. And so we're born whole, perfect, and complete. Not broken, not needing to be fixed, not, not, not looking for a fix from a God who controls. So we're part of the universe. So those are the first, you gotta buy into those to like, to me, to move through our principles. Those are kind of beliefs in many ways that there is one power and one presence and that we are created as part of that one power and one presence. Three, four, and five are practices uh, about how to lead that life according to being a whole, perfect, and complete part of the universe. Number one is get in front of your thoughts, your feelings, and your beliefs. It's the it's kind of the battle between ego and soul, two components of our human our human makeup. And what we say is, it, when I want to put my soul in charge of my ego, not my ego in charge of my soul. So if I'm working from my soul, from my truth, my consciousness, uh, then. I can change the way I look at the world, and when I change the way I look at the world, my thoughts, my feelings, and my, my beliefs will change. We see it in a, pos- a positive light a, light, a light which I am in charge of. Knowing that, though, I have my doubts. And so principle four is when I'm, when I'm even though I can practice that and know that, I need to connect with that divine, global, universal creation we call God. And we do that through affirmative prayer, affirming my, my oneness with God, and meditation, which is listening for the guidance of God. And when those four are done, much like Rick said, principle number five is putting it into action. And I like to use the word service is the probably the pinnacle form of action, being in service to self and to others. But it's any type of action. And we say move through those first four principles, centering yourself, Connecting with the divine. And once you've done that, you move into action. So, I'm sorry, Bob. (laughs) Um, You came in at 3 minutes, 47 seconds. Now, technically, the first 38 seconds were about the principles versus rules. But Rick still wins. Rick, congratulations. Man, I'm clapping uh, without making noise. I'm so overwhelmed. I didn't expect to win. I don't have an acceptance speech uh, ready. I'm I'm nonplussed.
So, so yeah, the, the, the one power, the one presence, to me, that was a defining moment when I came, when I came to, to unity, you know, coming from a, I came primarily from a Catholic and a Baptist orientation for the most part in my, in my up, upbringing. My mother's family was, was Catholic in orientation. My dad and my stepfather's uh, orientations were from Baptist or Bible orientation kinds of churches. And so I kind of had both of those kind of growing up, but it, in the midst of both of those, there was that duality. There was this external God that was looking down on us and for the most part, you know, judging us, or at least that's what we were, you know, told and taught that God was watching and, and, and judging. And, uh, they never really felt comfortable with that concept. So growing up, probably well into my thirties, my mid thirties before I kind of had a, uh, came to a crossroads, so to speak. And my, um, I guess what they call cognitive dissonance, you know, had that period of where everything was just kind of scrambled. Um, well, I think unity has a concept called chemicalization, uh, which, which is, that's that, that's that period when you're in that sort of dark night of the soul thing and things are changing and your, your thoughts are becoming chemicalized, so to speak. Well, and it was coming out on the other side of that, that I began to understand that even though I had tried to uh, debunk or be the devil's advocate for my dualistic upbringing that I needed a spiritual component in my life because my life was not working. I wasn't finding happiness. I wasn't finding peace. I had money and, you know, external success, so to speak, and everything, but I was not happy inside. And so crashing, going through the dark night of the soul, coming up out of that experience was when I began to legitimately cultivate a spiritual component in my life proactively willingly you know do that and uh unity was the place uh that i set up shop so to speak uh, i went to several unity churches before landing here at unity church of the hills i uh, had some great experiences found the artist's way at uh, a unity church uh was introduced to a course in miracles through some unity friends uh, saw Don Miguel Ruiz the first time at a Unity Church, but this this whole idea of of getting beyond God as this external fatherly figure who is looking at us and kind of in some of some effects you know judging us, and getting to a concept of a loving God that I was that I could relate to that was a huge step forward in my progress, and uh, Unity was the you know, was a, was a conduit for that. It was, it was, it was, you know, definitely a catalyst for that beginning. That's one of the unique things about unity is that we're each able to sort of come in, it meets us where we are, then you can kind of, you know, articulate your own path, you know, to choose your own path as you're moving through uh, your education and so forth. But it blends all truth, all, all traditions of truth and wisdom from around the world into it so that we can find the intersections between our Western Christian orientation and Hindu or Buddhist or Islam or any of the other kinds of things, and we can find those intersections of truth. That's what excites me about unity. Yeah, yeah. And and you hit upon one of those key tenets, I think, Rick, and, and that is it's the commonality amongst the world religions that is what unity seeks to focus on. Can we look at the differences? Sure. But when you boil it all away, those four or five or six, it doesn't make any difference how many you count, 
but there are, there are truths that are common amongst all those world teachings and and that and including tribal tribal practices tribal spiritual practices which tend to not get codified quite to the same degree the major religions do it's they all talk the same stuff and when we look at those teachings early on the bible as it was written and codified it was man's ability or man's desire to try to figure out why things don't turn out the way i want and why do things turn out the way that I do want? What, what is that? And, and out of that came this notion of a God that looked and acted just like a human. And yes, evolution has allowed man to exist with that unique capability to contemplate the notion that I have the power to change the future of what I'm going to do. And I'm guided by these, by these principles that, that the entire universe is guided by. I can, I can release all the dogma and just be a part of that. And that's a wonderful way for me and how I teach in our path class to lead your life. It's a quality of life thing. It's not practice. It's practice. It's practice those principles, but it's not, I believe in this and those that don't are wrong and I'm right. It's none of that. And unity talks about God as love. So it's a beautiful metaphor, I think. And and we're not talking about that sort of, you know, the love that we experience in relationship with other peoples that oftentimes, unfortunately, is conditional. But it's this unconditional love that harmonizes all of the universe. And that's what I see as that one power. I remember... This was back in the mid-90s, and I was kind of really fresh in my spiritual walk. And had a good friend who was a friend of the family, was a friend of my dad's. And uh, my dad had died several years earlier, but I was, uh, his friend lived real close to me, so I would go by and visit with him, and I was on fire. I, I had come across A Course in Miracles, and, and my mind was just really, really going. And um, I remember him saying to me one day in my enthusiasm, we're having this conversation, he goes, Rick, there's going to come a day when you're going to realize there's something beyond God. And I, I remember just getting this inscrutable look at him, just like going, no, no, I don't think there is. No, because I was just fresh coming to that. And it, it, it seemed like the whole destina- destination of my life coming to that point to really have a, a concept of God that I could connect with. And then it was many, many years later, uh, as I continued working towards unity and then getting into unity and everything, when I started realizing this idea of God as principle instead of God as personified, you know, figure and everything, that's when I got what he meant that day, that there, that something beyond God, that I was still looking at an incarnate God at that point in time, and that moving beyond is just God as omnipresence, God as omniscience. You know, looking at those qualities that are that are principles as opposed to personifications of a of an anthropomorphic figure kind of thing. And it was like later on, it's like getting the punchline to a joke five years later when you're no longer with the person who told the joke. It's like, oh, that's what he meant. You know, and it, and it, and it was actually a big a big moment for me moving into that. It was another another step on my journey. And, and it was peaceful, like whenever I came to it and I understood what he was saying, there was no angst, there was no arguing, it was just like, oh. And the reason why I believe that I know that it's the truth is because of the measure of peace I felt when I came to that. The peace was the consequence and the effect. Uh, having a spiritual practice, is a, and this is another thing Ellen says in her book, it's a quality of life thing. 
I know it to be true only because I feel the peace within when I come to this understanding. I'm no longer in that cognitive dissonance thing where it's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And it's not that it's, it's universally true. I might believe it is, but it's true for me. And with that, I can live in a more joy-filled, productive, creative, service-filled life because I can release all that, all that grit that was causing friction or just dissonance. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, Tammy's point about God is love is, is, it is, it, it is a, it is a loving, creative presence that has allowed for millennia this universe to be what it is today. Now, do we know what's coming next? No, we, in the short term, we can draw some extract, we can extrapolate a bit. But it's, it's just knowing that we're here today and living in the moment and releasing the past for what it is and releasing worry about the future. But just that God presence is with us now and just live in the now. And Unity's teaching how that, that one, one power, one presence that we make the further distinction calling it good, that there's only one power, one presence. And this one power and one presence is good. That there's no, in effect, an opposing power that is competing with God for the fate of the universe, so to speak. That it's really is, as they say, all good. And I think Ellen Devonport talks about the first principle. She just says it's all God. That's the way she articulates unity's first principle. It's all God. God is all. And God is all, exactly. And so if, if it's all God and God is good, then the actual creative dynamics of the universe are intended as good that what we call bad or evil or something that's off the mark uh is is human beings misapplying whether willfully or you know otherwise misapplying the spiritual principles using them for ill ends as opposed to allowing them to manifest in good but that as martin luther king says that long arc in the universe bends towards justice and i think it's the same thing as is like saying that all things work towards good for those who love god and once again when you said god is love tammy that's another way of saying that god is the principle of love it's different than saying god is loving because then you put it as a once again you're back into a personified embodiment that is loving is that no god is just the very principle of love and that we're once again created in that image and likeness so we are created in love as love and intended to express that when we talk about evil being not a not a countervailing power to god but something that's been created by by a man's misapplication of spiritual principle and you kind of take responsibility for that but in in the end Evil is, so far as we can, most, most examples is evil gets vanquished and, and that there is a bias, if you will, a universal bias towards expansion and creativity and goodness. We go through some bumps and the bumps are, it's not to say that the bumps aren't ug- ugly, but we get through them. And, uh, that notion of, of evil not being a countervailing power of its own, but the absence of love through man's misapplication of spiritual principle. Uh, often go, it, you know, that's a point of reflection for us. The word unity, like just the very word unity, as opposed to duality, just as one sort of measurement of, of comparing and contrasting. The word unity 
implies just what it says, that there's a unified perspective, and it's like the, the yin and the yang of it, that they're not two separate entities, they're two separate potentials within the same unified presence, that within, that within chaos there's the seed for order, within order there's the seed for chaos, and that they exist together, and that the universe moving forward, the dynamics of the universe is that tension between the chaos and order, chaos and order, chaos and order, but that the the big macro picture is that I look at as love being that power that harmonizes that tension and kind of keeps us in between the lanes, so to speak, despite our despite ourselves. Well, and I think that, you know, it's really important, at least for me, like I always just keep coming back to like, okay, Tam, good and evil, good, bad. Like that's just, you know, to draw on the four agreements, those are just symbols that we've created, we've attached, you know, language creates this duality and this sort of sense of separation. And that's, I think, where, you know, unity's like there's one power and one presence. There's no separation in it. So, you know, we do our best with the language that we have, but it's important to recognize, like, what is good anyways? What is bad anyways, you know? As Rick was talking, that tension, that yin and yang, is that oftentimes what we label as something not so good, a.k.a. bad, often leads to good. You know, because it's that, you know, even in your personal life, sometimes the worst experience you've had has led you to something better, a new understanding. It's not that you have to throw away things. It's just it brings you to something new. And so maybe bad is temporary. It's a temporary condition of the human condition that moves us ultimately to something better, a better understanding, a new understanding. Back right after I graduated from college, I was run over by a drunk driver. It's honestly the absolute best thing that ever happened to me because I was just this victim, angry person. And, you know, actually, thanks to Unity teachings, I was able to sort of grow into and understand, wow, I really created this intersection for myself, you know, that creative potential within me, because it was a necessary thing for me to be just shaken loose of my victim thinking. When we get to principle three, there's going to be a lot of those examples about how it's how do I view my circumstance? I can, I can create my future, but another part of it is how do I view my circumstance? What do I do with it once it's happened? And I think that's a big part of our healing is learning to accept those parts of our story that we might want to change or rewrite or deny or anything like that. And just like, no, look at the whole arc of my life, the whole arc of my life, all the events, everything. And in the composite, that is me. So why would I want to take any one piece or other out if it would change, you know, where I am right now? Yeah. It's having that awareness. The, the, the secret is, to me, having the awareness to step back from the circumstance and have a bias within myself to look for the good, look for the gift. Even as painful as the circumstance may be, Know that know that I'm I'm part of this universe, and that eventually, eventually, this will be a gift. This too will be a gift. That's a seems like a nice uh, place to bring uh, this particular conversation to a conclusion. Before we uh, wrap it up here, are there any concluding thoughts that you might have on uh, Unity principles in general, or specifically Unity's first principle? If you're not aware of Reverend Ellen Devonport's book, The Five Principles. 
and you want to become more acquainted with them and you plan on listening to our future podcast, it might be worth uh, picking up a copy of that and uh, and have a, having a good read. It's a it's a refreshing, easy read, and it really frames our principles in today's language with today's thoughtware. Uh, and so uh, I'd invite you to do that because that's that's the best way that I can recommend getting acquainted with what we're talking about. I think that's a great recommendation. I love that book as well. And whether you're unity or not, uh, it, that book is, to my mind, like the Four Agreements and some other great spiritual books and everything that it, that has immediate practical application in your life. You don't have to be a follower of unity for that book to speak to you and to give you some practical tools that will improve the quality of life, as you as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Thank you to you and Tammy for having me on here. I look forward to future sessions and uh, until then. Uh, Here's to you, my brother. Take care, Batman. Peace. Tammy. I was just going to say for people out there who aren't really readers, uh, you can also go to YouTube and you can Google Bob Withrow and watch his, uh, his talk on the five principles, or you could Google Rick Busby and watch his two part talk on the five principles. Well, thank you, Tammy. Once again, thank you, Bob Withrow, for being with us today. Uh, Stay tuned, all you listeners out there on the One Power Podcast. Tammy and I will be right back after this break. Welcome back to the One Power Podcast. Thank you for being with us today. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with uh, Bob Withrow on the Unity Principles, and more specifically, Unity Principle number one. Uh, Tammy, you know, one power, one presence. Uh, as we said, that's the title of today's episode. That's also a short way of uh, identifying Unity's first principle. Uh, when you came to Unity, and, and maybe even more specifically in this context of this conversation with Bob, what impresses you? What do you find useful, I should say? What do you find useful and practical in your own life about adopting the one power, one presence idea into your own life? You know, for me, the one power, one presence, and, you know, going back to the conversation with Bob and it being about quality of life, you know, I tend to be a very in-the-moment kind of person. And um, it makes it sometimes a challenge to, um, to stay in that long arc that you talked about. And adopting this understanding that God, universe, source, whatever name you want to use, is all goodness, that it's omniscience, um, that it's all there is, allows me, even when I'm in the moment to moment, not to put so much weight on what's happening in that moment. You know, I think about that story of the Tibetan monk or the the farmer. It was a farmer who, uh, you know, whose son fell off of a horse and broke his arm. And everybody's like, yay, yay, he doesn't have to go to war. And he's like, well, it may be good. It may be bad, you know. And the story goes on and there's all these things that happen. And in every case, the farmer is like, maybe good, maybe bad. Well, it's like, no, it's all good. You know, it's even even deeper than that story of the farmer. Like for myself, if I just go into life with this framework that everything is happening for us as part of this 
universal impetus to evolve and grow, and that it's all coming out of an energy of love, um, which is bigger than I can even conceive of. So there's that, there's that goodness, but then I think also it's more than I can conceive of. So what that does for me personally in my life is it allows me to live in the mystery and the excitement and the awe that, oh my God, there's this universal presence that brings everything into life. Like that's huge and amazing and awesome and wonderful and I get to be a part of it. The big piece around Unity's first principle that I got some time ago and it came up in our conversation with Bob is moving beyond this idea of a personified anthropomorphic God and that I'm not looking at God as being omnipotent as in all-powerful, I'm looking at God as omnipotence. God is all-power. Not God is all-powerful, but that God is the very principle of creative power. Uh, Those were very helpful to me. Same thing with omniscience, that God is the very presence of knowledge, all truth, embodies all of that. Um, Getting down to those uh, spiritual principles, the underlying principles, for me that was a huge evolutionary step forward in my process when I got to that place in consciousness where I was like, oh, I've never thought about it that way before. But instantly, instantly when I got to that place in the road where that came up for me in consciousness, the quality of my life changed dramatically in the wake of that because a lot of my resistance, a lot of my uh, defensiveness about life and everything all melted away in that moment because now I was no longer fighting with an entity that we call God, but that I was in an acceptance of, oh, these are just underlying principles that are animating and activating the activity in the universe, so to speak, including my own life, including your life, including the lives of everyone we know and everyone we don't know for that matter, even the, even the plants and everything, that there's this underlying power and presence that is making all of this go. It created the conditions for life to, to spring up. It was, it was amazing in consciousness how all of my protest and all of my rebellion and everything for decades all kind of melted away when I moved beyond God as figure to God as principle. Uh, Unity gave me that language. I mean, there were other hints of it coming. I think there were some other things that had prepared the way for that, that whenever uh, that teaching came in as a principle in Unity, I was able to recognize it and, and, and bring it into my consciousness and go, oh, that's the languaging that I've been looking for. All this, you know, debunking and, and, and fighting and protesting and rebelling against and everything. It's exhausting. Yeah. It, it, it's exhausting, you know, always being in a, in a state of protest and, and consciousness because it requires me to be defensive. It requires me to be vigilant for anything that might overturn whatever it is I'm defending and as A Course in Miracles uh, would say, you know, the truth is true and requires no defense, that it just simply is true. And so I found a lot of resonance in that, in, in Unity Principles, when I got to that place in the road to where I was willing to go, oh, all power, not all powerful, all creative power, that is the principle of God. Oh, and I'm created in the image and likeness of that power and presence. We all are. 
oh, it was just a big aha moment. And it literally changed everything that came after. Like it moved me into a place where, as I said, I'm no longer protesting. Now I'm into acceptance. Now I'm into figuring out how I can align my life around this new insight. And it made all the difference in, in, in what came next. Well, and I think what you just said and what I love is that you, you, know, you brought in the second principle because um, if you just look at principle number one without principle number two, you can see this all goodness and then you're just like a bottle floating in the ocean, right? There's where's your power lie and all that, right? But when you um, when you see that because there is only good God, then I must be of that. Uh, it suddenly you realize your co-creative power that 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 if we're made in the image and likeness of God and God is creative principle, then I must be of that. I must be a creator as well. And so suddenly, and I know we'll get way into, you know, principle number two down the road, but um, I think that they're important to kind of keep together. Yeah. And I, th- and I think, I think our guest, uh, Bob Withrow made that point as well, that he, that he couples one and two very closely together, uh, maybe two sides of the same coin, that if there is that one power and one presence active in the universe and in our lives, and it's a good power, that it's useful for us to align ourselves in that second principle that we're created in the image and likeness of this one power and one presence, and that we have that same spark of divinity within us. We have that same creative power, that same faculty for being creators. And then ultimately, the responsibility comes down to us being co-creators of this experience, which now we're starting to get into unity principle number three and other things, but they all kind of start overlapping and we'll be diving into these as we move forward. Uh, As we mentioned here in the One Power podcast, uh, once a month we'll be doing a, a, a segment of our show around living the unity principles and talking about the unity principles. Uh, in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be having a conversation with uh, uh, Dr. Roger Teal, I believe. And Dr. Roger Teal is our guest on the next show talking uh, about his experience in answering the call, which is another one of our uh, segments here on the One Power Podcast. So we want to invite you back for that episode whenever we release it and be on the lookout for that. Dr. Roger Teal coming up. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us today on this episode of the One Power Podcast. Once again, thank our guest, uh, Bob Withrow, uh, for being here with us today. We'll have Bob back later on in the year on some other episodes as well. Uh, We also want to thank Matt Russell for uh, providing the music for today's uh, episode. Uh, And thank Kiana Shantice for her uh, website work for us this week, getting the uh, One Power Podcast uh, website uh, up and running for us as we were racing towards our deadline. And uh, so many people to thank uh, getting us just to this stage already. And we also want to send a big shout out to Unity Church of the Hills for supporting Tammy and I in the production of the One Power Podcast. Most of all, we want to thank you guys for for joining us. We hope you'll uh, subscribe to our podcast on your your favorite service platform. We're available everywhere on Apple and uh, Google Play and Spotify and Stitcher, and you can pretty much find us on on your favorite podcast platform. We hope that you'll like us, uh, subscribe to our podcast so that you'll be notified of any uh, future episodes as soon as they come out. And if you feel so moved, uh, share it with your friends and, and be sure to leave us some comments on your favorite 
service platform there. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can also send us email to uh, info at onepowerpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you in the future. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with a whole nother episode. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Tammy, any parting words? Just happy Thanksgiving. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see y'all very, very soon. Thanks for joining us. On the next episode of One Power Podcast. Well, what I have experienced about the call, the call to one's authentic life, one's authentic service, one's authentic creativity, is that it's a call that will not let us go. Even when we uh, resist it or don't fully understand it, uh, it will not let us go. Join us on the next episode of One Power Podcast as we visit and have a conversation with Dr. Roger Teal, author of the book, This Life is Joy, as we talk about answering the call to service. One Power Podcast is produced with the support of Unity Church of the Hills in Austin, Texas, a spiritual community of love and acceptance where lives are transformed. For more information on the One Power Podcast, please visit our website, onepowerpodcast.com. Thank you again for joining us here on One Power. We hope you return next week as we continue this amazing journey together of transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. Peace.